You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm very, very, very excited. I finally got the rest of this project done. It's been a long time in the making. Not that it necessarily took me all that long. Um, just I've been, I forgot about it, and then I put it off. And then I kept saying I was going to do it, and then I didn't do it. But I, but I, but I did it now. So we're going to talk about it. But for those that either don't remember or maybe weren't here for part one of this exercise, essentially what I did is I wanted to look at just looking at starters, right? Forget about the depth and all this other stuff. Just looking at starters in starting positions. It's going to be more than 11. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but roughly 11 players. And I want to know, how do these players stack up? So rather than saying, well, Mike Daniels is the so-and-so best defensive tackle in the NFL, I want to know compared to other, and I know this is going to throw some people, but and compared to other uh, DT3s, because technically Dean Lowry was graded better than Mike Daniels. I've been trying to tell you, he didn't do all that well last year. Plus, Lowry really did a fine job. But that's what I'm looking at. Compared to, you know, CB3s, cornerback threes, compared to safety two, right? The, our, our second safeties, where do people stack up? To get, to get a better idea, right? Because one of the things that we discovered when we did offense was, for example, as much as we don't necessarily like our guards, when you compare Justin McCray, for example, to other right guards, he was the 10th best right guard, which isn't elite, but it's certainly not dire. Right, our, our tight end one, Lance Kendricks, was certainly a lot more dire at 29th. So that's what we did, right? We went and looked at our wide receiver one, which is Devontae Adams, and I did assign a name to each of these so we can talk about specifically who they are. But how does Devontae Adams compare to other number ones? How does Equinemius compare to other wide receiver twos? How does uh, Marquez compare to other wide receiver threes? That's what we did on offense, and by the way, they stacked up terribly. So here's what we've got on defense. I just want to kind of run through uh, these kind of the backdrop here, because I am going to be putting this up on Patreon. So anybody that would like to see this, uh, it's available for anyone who is a patron. And by the way, there's other stuff on there. Uh, The offensive one, well, that's going to be on the same spreadsheet. But uh, other things that I've uploaded are on there. It's for anyone that is a patron of $5 or more can see these sheets. But this is compared to all the other 32 teams. So what I have is DT1, 2, and 3. And the one little caveat is... DT3 is only going to apply to base 3-4 teams. Because if you're base 3-4, the 3 means defensive tackles. 4-3 would be 4 defensive linemen, but 2 of them are tackles and 2 of them are edge rushers. So that brings us to LB3, or linebacker 3. 3-4 teams, I did not include a 3rd linebacker. Now, I could go down that road, but it's just it's not really necessary. The only other kind of iffy caveat is safety three, because a lot of teams these days are using three safeties on the field. I did want to look at that. There are two teams I couldn't even find a third safety, so it says N.A., and to be honest, it just kind of throws a lot of stuff off, and I'll kind of talk about why in a second, but... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Let's just start running through this. So obviously, starting off, we got DT1, which is Kenny Clark. How did he stack up? DT2 is Dean Lowry. Defensive tackle three is Mike Daniels. Edge rusher one, Fackrell. Edge rusher two is Matthews. Linebacker one is Martinez. Linebacker two is Morrison. Linebacker three is N.A. Cornerback one, Jair. Jair. Cornerback two is Josh Jackson. Cornerback three is Kevin King. And yes, by the way, these are, um, according to Pro Football Focus, grades. So, all right, so let me just, well, let's finish. Safety one is Tremont Williams. Safety two is Josh Jones. Safety three is Kentrell Bright. So essentially, as I went through this, it wasn't an exact science, and certain things did get a little hairy, but the first thing I wanted to see is snap count when I looked at a team. I didn't just want to see the three best players, because some of their times, the best player is a guy who had, you know, 102 snaps compared to three other guys that had 400, 500, and 1,000. So even though the one guy's better, I'm not going to call him one of the starters, right? They didn't play him as much, so he's not the guy. I uh, tried to use a little bit of judgment if it's a clear starter that was on IR or something. That was the exception. But the reason it gets a little bit hairy is because um, if you look at, for example, safety one, two, and three, essentially the three that I chose are the three starters, the three guys with the most snaps. But once what order they're in is strictly dependent on who was graded higher. And the reason the whole safety three thing got a little bit iffy in this situation is because sometimes you'll just have a, a safety one and a safety two, and both of them are terrible. But safety three, who's only had about 200 snaps, was their best safety. So based on the way that I did this, this guy who didn't play very much is technically considered safety number one, even though he was their third safety that was used kind of sparingly. So just understand that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about three safeties, three linebackers, three defensive tackles, whatever three cornerbacks that had the most snap counts is how you get into the top three, and then it's just ordered based on how good of a football player you were. All right? And then, after that, you have a column here that's average. The average essentially is essentially what was your average rank. So out of 32, what it, what was your average rank? For the Green Bay Packers, by the way, and this is probably the closest you can get to, you know, what where do you rank as far as your defense overall anyways, the average rank was 20th. So not great. And it's very obvious as I went through this that the defense has a lot more problems than the offense. Some other references here to the right. Um, I have defensive tackles as a group. So you can see overall how the defensive tackles rank. 
So that's one, two, and three, or one and two if that's what you have. Um, your overall edge rank, which just averages out the combine of the two. Uh, linebacker rank, cornerback duo, cornerback trio, safeties, and then safety trio. So for example, Tremont Williams has his own individual grade. Josh Jones has his individual grade. Kentrell Bryce has his individual grade. If you want to see them them as a trio or just the safety one and two as a duo, you have that reference here. Then finally at the bottom what I did because I wanted to mask the PFF grades. There are no actual PFF grades on here. It's just ranks. But when I did have the grades, what I decided to do is at the bottom, you'll see the average. And what I did is I made the average a base 10, meaning whatever the average actually was, I made it out of a base 10. And then I looked at the Packers grade compared to a base 10, just to give you an idea of how much better or worse they were. So let's start with the very first one, just so I can give you an idea of what I'm talking about here. Right out of the gate, defensive tackle number one, Kenny Clark, was the eighth best DT1 in the NFL. The Rams obviously had number one with uh, the guy whose name I can never remember, Aaron Donald. Eagles two, etc., etc., etc. So if we scroll all the way down to the bottom, if if 10 is sort of the base, Kenny Clark was an 11.2. So it's also good because it kind of gives you an idea of sometimes if it's better or worse. So for example, if you move on to Dean Lowry at defensive tackle two, he was the 13th best DT2, which isn't great, right? It's, it's mid-tier. It also gives you an overall idea of how good of a tackle he is. But again, that's why I like this, because if you look at it, you look at Dean Lowry and you're like, eh, I don't know, he's not a very good defensive tackle. I guess he's okay. But the question is, as a number two defensive tackle, and let's be honest, if, if hopefully Mike Daniels can step up and have a better year than he did last year, Dean Lowry is going to be the number three. And as the number three, he'd be pretty dominant. But he had the second highest defensive tackle grade, so he was 13th overall. But what does that mean compared to average? Well, again, out of a base of 10, he was 10.33. So pretty close to average, but he was an above average defensive tackle too. Then finally, Mike Daniels as the DT3. And I think I could have probably gotten away with not using him depending on his snap count. But with the Packers, I'm going to use a lot more judgment than some of these other teams because I actually know the situation as opposed to some other uh, teams. So obviously I have to put Mike Daniels in here. He was the fifth best defensive tackle uh, three. Now let's be completely honest. As a DT3, I would expect him to be number one. But again, he had a bad year. And um, out of out of that base 10, he would be a 10.39. So obviously Kenny Clark at 11.22 is the far and away the most dominant in his group, which is the most dominant group. It's the top 32 guys in the NFL. The other cool thing about this, too, is it's not just for Packer fans. I'm going to be putting this up in my other group because you can kind of see uh, where some other teams ranked as far as these exact same things. If you look at the Chicago Bears, obviously very dominant. They had the fourth best DT1. Obviously, that's Akeem Hicks. Their DT2 was number one, and their DT3 was number two. So the three defensive linemen clearly were just dominant across the board. Another thing to keep in mind, this is looking back at 2018. It makes no sense at this point to look forward. So this is 100% looking entirely backward. Some of these guys that got graded on teams are probably already gone. That's fine because I'm going to be doing this again. I just can't start looking forward yet because we haven't even done free agency. We haven't done the draft. We haven't done anything yet. We'll reassess this when we get a better idea of who the starting players are going to be. I don't even know some teams if they're going to be in base 3443 how they're going to switch things up the dolphins are going to be using much more of a hybrid thing well they've been a strict 43 team for a long time they got they're already going to get rid of one of their edge rushers Cameron Wake who's still a dominant 43 guy i don't even know what his role is going to be necessarily i think the cardinals are changing so 
I can't look forward yet, so this is entirely looking back, but it is a good reference, and again, we're going to be doing this again. So, Minnesota Vikings, as a 4-3 team, they don't have a DT3, but their DT1 was 22nd overall, their DT2 was 15th. So the Packers did have a better defensive line than the Vikings. Detroit Lions, however, number 3 overall DT1, number 2 overall DT2. Very good defensive line, mostly run-stuffing defensive line, but very, very dominant defensive line. Again, a 4-3 team, so I didn't list or go out and find their third best defensive tackle. As a group, the Packers have the eighth best defensive line. So, you know, it kind of lends credence to the idea that, you know, I saw a mock recently where the Packers traded up to get Quinn and Williams. I've seen a lot of people now starting to mock uh, Ed Oliver, which was one of my favorite things to do in the past, which I've kind of soured on. Not just because, I mean, for one, there's a big question about how how good of a, a scheme fit he would be, because it's in a 3-4 defense, you're kind of doing two-gap type stuff, and the, the thought process is he can't do that. He's entirely too small. Beyond that, though, there's there's really no question this is the strength of our defense. So with, with needs everywhere, with needs at edge rusher, linebacker, cornerback, and safety, with our first pick to go with the defensive tackle, which is the one thing that we actually do really well compared to other teams, it just doesn't make a huge amount of sense. I mean, I get it. A good player is a good player, but... Eh. In other words, yes, a team should trade up to three to get Quinn in if they so choose. I don't know if the Packers are the right team to go about doing that. And that hurts me to say because Quinn and Williams is transformational. And let's be honest, if they did, I wouldn't even be mad because he would just be dominant. But we're taking now, what, if he's the new Kenny Clark, then basically we just have the best DT2 and a dominant DT1. And then we're the Bears, right? <laughs> and then we have a defensive line like the Bears. Minus, you know, the really good corners and Khalil Mack and the really good safeties and all that stuff. Anyways, moving on to edge rusher. Kyler Fackrell steps in as our number one. He was the 25th best edge rusher in the NFL. Pretty painful. Uh, Out of that base 10, he was an 8.88. So really, really low. So you can kind of see you don't deviate much from 10. It's it's a very minute deviation, right? DT2 was 10.33. DT3 was 10.39. Kenny Clark was a big deviation at 11.22. So 1.22 up. This is essentially, to the degree that Kenny Clark was dominant in his DT1 class, is almost the exact same, actually it is literally the exact same deviation negatively toward Kyler Fackrell. So as good as Kenny Clark is, that's how bad Kyler Fackrell is. And this is, again, compared to his, uh, compared to other guys in this uh, number one edge rusher group. As far as our edge number two, Clay Matthews, he was the 20th best um, edge number two guy. So, I mean, the good thing is, and I, I didn't actually look at it, probably should have, but didn't, whatever. The question would be, what would happen if Kyler Fackrell was edge rusher number two, right? Would he be like the 15th, 16th? Because then it's kind of not the worst thing in the world. If we're able to draft or, or go out in free agency, whatever, and get a edge number one and make Fackrell our edge number two, not that that's super ideal, but how much better would he be? But uh, Clay would be a 9.68 out of that base 10. So again, below average, which is pretty rough to say. I mean, Clay Matthews has been in a decline for quite a while. But to get to the point where he's the number two edge rusher on the team and he's a well below average edge rusher, even in the group of number twos, it's just clear that it's just not a thing anymore. Uh, The Chicago Bears had in, in the edge number one class the number one edge rusher. Obviously, we're talking about Khalil Mack. The number two guy off the edge is kind of surprising. He is 13th. 
because their number two guy is not good. So it, it really just goes to show when you look at this, the number two, not a lot of teams have a second really. Some some do. Some have dominant number twos. But a lot of teams, you look at the Chicago Bears, they don't have a good second edge rusher, but he's still above average. He's still 13th. So it, it what I guess it shows is getting that number one is the most important thing. Number two is, is you know, be nice to have it, but not a lot of teams have it. Detroit Lions off the edge are actually significantly worse than the Packers. When I started doing mock drafts, I had them taking cornerback, I had them taking safety, I had them taking linebacker, and Lions fans were furious saying we need edge rusher. They do. Edge number number uh, number one, 30th. 30th best number one edge rusher in the NFL. Edge rusher number two, 27th. Horrible group. That with the Minnesota Vikings, 15th and 16th for edge one and edge two. So pretty mediocre. If you look at them as a group, the Chicago Bears have the fifth best edge rush duo. Detroit Lions are 29th, Packers are 24th, and the Minnesota Vikings are 20th. So outside of the Bears, not a whole lot going on. Uh, pretty garbage group. Even the Vikings um, at 17th. I don't know if garbage is necessarily fair, but uh, not great. And by the way, this this averaging here with the uh, the group averaging, there's also the base 10 down below that. So defensive tackles, um, out of 10, the Packers are 10.54. So pretty good, but pretty also close to average and then looking at edge rusher out of base 10 9.25 is where the Packers are at moving out moving on to linebacker now as I mentioned the Packers I just took the top two I'll look briefly at LB3 but you know it is what it is by the way something that should be um, I guess kind of self-evident but maybe you didn't think of it with the defensive tackle three come on dance party get up out of my face man it was in my pocket that made it tricky um we're not looking at 32 teams because not 32 teams were given a grade. So I believe there were about, uh, what, 14? About 14, three, four teams. So when I say Kenny Clark is fifth, he's fifth out of about 14. Same with LB3, which, again, doesn't really pertain to the Packers. But linebacker one, Blake Martinez, not as good as I would have thought, 14th. So, you know, you see some people talking about Devin White. You see some people talking about upgrading our linebackers. I mean, that's it's not great. If we look at, compared to the average, 10.10. So basically, he, he is better than average. So it's you can't super complain. right? At the very least, you'd like to be up to the standard of what NFL defenses bring to the table. Technically, we have that with Blake Martinez. But, um, I mean, I you know, for a fourth-round pick, I guess you can be excited about it. But we kind of, for a minute there, we thought he was going to be this elite linebacker. And now it's kind of averaging out a bit. Uh, linebacker 2 Morrison, who was actually pretty terrible. You can see there must be a steep drop-off for most teams in their linebacker 2 because as bad as Morrison was, he was 19th. So below average, he was 9.65 out of 10. But, um, yeah, that's that's another one that's pretty shocking. So, again, you're looking at teams that really struggle to have that second linebacker. I don't know if it's as much of a struggle as it is priority for some teams. Some teams just, I you know, you got to wonder if they put a lot of effort into getting linebackers. You've only got so many shots in the draft, and you know, look at the Packers. The Packers didn't invest hardly anything in linebacker. They, they took stabs in the fourth round, and I don't want to say got lucky. Ted Thompson did a good job of getting Blake Martinez and Jake Ryan and the talent that we're able to exact from them out of the fourth round. But not a lot of teams are, are wanting to take guys like Devin White, including the Packers. They've had a lot of shots at linebackers in the late first, early second territory. And have said, no, we need edge rusher, we need corner, we need safety, we're going that route. We're not taking a linebacker. And I think a lot of teams do that, and that's how you end up in this situation. But still, 
not very good for either. And um, I guess an argument could be made. It's going to be hard because as we go along, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. But an argument could be made that a, an upgrade at linebacker wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I'm not super in favor of the, the Devin White thing, but if you had Devin White as your 1,000-snap linebacker and Blake Martinez as your you know 5-600-snap linebacker, that might be a little bit better for the Packers. I don't know. Again, I wouldn't hate it. Don't know how necessary it is. We also have to factor in Oren Burks and maybe giving him a shot to grow. But that's just kind of what it is. Out of out of uh, overall, the Packers linebacking group ranks 20th, and out of a out of, out of 10, they're a 10.32. The Bears and their linebackers 16th and 12th. Don't have a linebacker three. Overall, they rank 15th. So we'll we'll have to see. I mean, that that's a relatively good case study too because they went out and got the best linebacker of the, of the entire class, and he was just kind of. I don't even think he was the linebacker one in this group. I th- kind of think he was a linebacker two, and he was 12th out of the linebacker twos. I think. I could be wrong. But we'll have to see. If he grows and becomes a stud, then it was a good pick. But, um, you know, there, there were, I, I don't know, I feel like I was the only one that had questions about him. Everyone else said he was a guarantee lock, starter, instant impact, whatever. But it's one of those things that makes you a little bit gun-shy on the, on the Devin White-type guys because you look at Roquan Smith and say he was supposed to be a lock, he was supposed to be a guarantee, he was supposed to be transformational, he was going to be the next, I don't want to say necessarily Brian Urlacher because very different type of player, but he just kind of wasn't. Detroit Lions, terrible linebacking group. If, if there's anything that's going to make me feel good about the situation that we have, it's the Detroit Lions because their LB1 is 27th, LB2, 25th, LB3, 12th. Because you just have three terrible guys, and you get into this LB3 ter- territory where everybody's terrible, and you're uh, a mid-range terrible. Minnesota Vikings linebackers, 19th, 14th, and 3rd. And keep in mind, Anthony uh, Barr is in this group, and I believe he is linebacker 1. So if you move him out of there, you got to slide everybody to the left, and uh, it's not a very good group. But uh, Detroit Lions linebacker group is 24th, Miami Dolphins 21st. So Chicago... So NFC North, not a real good linebacker group. Uh, 15th is the best with the Chicago Bears, but overall not great. So now we're going to talk cornerback, and this is where there's that big disconnect. This is where I feel like a lot of Packer fans feel like we got corner, we got Jair, we got a bunch of good guys, and I keep hammering it just because I want to make sure that the people that listen to this show understand that there is a discrepancy between what most fans think and the reality. Given the caveat that we have youth and we need to give them the opportunity to grow, please listen to me as I explain how dire this situation is. Because I don't really know how else to say it. It's not good. And then if you factor in the uh, safety group as a whole, which maybe I'll just do that live on here uh, just to kind of get an idea. I think I will because now I'm curious. And just look at defensive backs, as in corners and safeties combined, how do the Packers rank? It's not going to be good, man. But starting off with CB1, our CB1 is Jair Alexander. He ranked the 22nd best cornerback. Now, we kind of knew that already, and actually that's a little bit higher than what I had said. I had said he was, what, like the 30th best? But you have some uh, teams that have, you know, two corners that are better than... So if you have a team that's got three corners, say the Bears, they have three corners in the top 30... Well, that's going to be one of those guys is going to go into the two category. One of them is going to go into the three category, and Jair moves up. So he's not the 22nd best cornerback in the NFL. Just compared to other cornerback ones, he's the 22nd best. Compared to that base 10, he's a 9.56. 
So I like Jair. I love the upside. I love the energy and the intensity. If, if that, that maybe is one of my favorite things about him is that I want a bunch of guys that play like him. I want him to infect the other players, not the other way around. I want his energy to be brought to this team, especially with a bunch of young guys. But just being unbiased and just looking at what it is, 22nd best. Compare that to our competition. The Chicago Bears uh, CB1 is 6th. Detroit Lions, 17th. Detroit Lions don't have a very good group, but uh, you look at Darius Slay, he was 17th, so better than Jair. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, they were 13th. So in the NFC North, Jair Alexander was the number four CB1 of the group. Not great, but it gets worse. Our CB2, which is a lesser competition. These guys aren't as good as the CB1s. These are other teams' second cornerbacks. Our second best cornerback was Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is the 31st best CB2 in the NFL. So compared to other guys, other teams' second cornerbacks, he was almost dead last. The only CB2 that was worse uh, than Josh Jackson was the 49ers CB2, whoever that might be. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry, the Denver Broncos. Looking in the wrong column. But the Chicago Bears have the second best CB2. Detroit Lions are 29th, pretty close because they're, they're... corners are terrible beyond Darius Slay, but still better than Josh Jackson. And the Minnesota Vikings have the 15th best. So this is kind of where we get to that point, similar to what I said about wide receiver. Let's say he grows a little bit. How much is he going to grow as a CB2? This is a second round draft pick. This is a guy who was talked about as a potential first round draft pick. I don't think I'm being unreasonable saying you should be way better than average when we're talking about CB2. Now as a CB1, I'm willing to give a guy like Jair some leeway. It's his first year in the league. He's going up against, you know, the top 32 guy. Not really the top 32 guys, but compared to other CB1s in the NFL, he's 22nd. Eh, whatever. At least he can hang with him, I guess. Kind of. But if you're... A lot of people thought you were supposed to be better than Jair, and you can't even hack it with CB2s? And as a, as a matter of fact, I already know if I put you in the CB3 category, you still couldn't hang. That's not good enough, man. And to to completely disregard corner and just say, no, we're not touching it, that's silly. That's just silly. We don't have good corners. Maybe, I mean, Josh Jackson's really it. Kevin King's been in this for two years. Take away the injury history. He's been bad for two years. I'm talking real bad. So we kind of know what his, his he's going to bring. Maybe he becomes something in year three, but I don't think anybody expects anything. I don't think anyone expects him to be healthy, much less good. So really, best case scenario, Kevin K- or uh, Josh Jackson becomes better. But then what, what is the upside? And I really don't want to keep hammering this, but what is the upside of the Packers cornerback group if we don't touch it? I talked about Bashad Breland. He's not good. He's never really been good. Kevin King has been terrible and injured a lot. Josh Jackson is one of the worst CB2s in the NFL. Let's say he takes a step. What is the upside? Best case scenario, the Packers at cornerback, one of the most critical positions. But let me let me just put it to you this way: What is crazier to you, taking a guy like Greedy Williams in the first, using one of our first round picks on a cornerback? Let's say, let's say Byron Murphy falls all the way to thirty. Would it be ridiculous to take a guy like Byron Murphy, and let's just say Jair's number one? 
Byron Murphy's number two and Jackson's number three. We could, we could have Byron Murphy as our CB1, Josh Jackson as our CB3 on the outside, possibly Kevin King. I don't care. Whoever steps up and can be somewhat mediocre CB3. And Jair is kind of in the slots. You have that Jair outside with Byron Murphy, that awesome duo, and then when they you know kind of spread out a little bit, you can put Jair in the slot, whatever. Is that crazy? Or is looking at this group and saying, nah, I think we're fine, is that crazier? Which one of those two seems crazier to you? Because, I listen, I've conceded defensive tackle because we have talent at defensive tackle. Like, look, Ed Oliver's a good player. Quinnen Williams would be transformational, but we have other needs. You know where the other needs are? The biggest need we have on defense? It's defensive back and maybe cornerback, probably safety. But cornerback is not that much less of a need than safety. It's kind of it's it's kind of like 1A and 1B in terms of needs on the defense, in terms of needs overall. It's just not good, man. And look, if, if Josh Jackson in his second year steps up and he's just a stud, then I guess we'll be okay. But I, I don't know, man. I'm a little bit nervous. We got a new coaching staff, so maybe that'll help a little bit. Mike Patton in his second year with these guys and, and some different leadership with the defensive backs. Maybe, maybe, kind of, sort of, hopefully. But I just I don't want to run a team if I'm the GM from the standpoint of, whoa, we, we, we address that in the draft. I'm sure in the second year they're going to be studs, and then we're going to go to the Super Bowl. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Everything's fine. I'm tired of taking swings at cornerback too, but I'm just saying if you take swings and you keep missing, what are you going to do? The Minnesota Vikings keep missing at offensive line. Should they give up? Seattle keeps missing at offensive line. Should they give up or should they draft offensive line? I don't know. Anyways, CB3, Kevin King. Now this is Kevin King. This is a guy who was taken with the first pick of the second round, higher than Josh Jackson. Again, another very early round pick by the Green Bay Packers. Their first pick in that draft, traded out of the first round, acquired Kevin King and another guy who's already gone. He should be able to hang with CB1s. He should be the CB2. It shouldn't even be Josh Jackson. Kevin King should have cemented himself as the second best corner on this team. He's not. Again, Josh Jackson, one of the worst CB2s in the NFL, is better than Kevin King. So Kevin King has to sit with the CB3s. He was 21st. Out of the group of number threes, some teams don't even hardly have a CB3. Guys that are playing like 100 snaps, that's that's the company that he's keeping. He's 21st. It's just bad, man. The Bears three, uh, their their CB one is sixth, CB two is second, uh, CB three is first. Detroit Lions seventeenth, 29th, thirtieth. Now you look at that and go, oh look, it looks like they're worse. Yeah, maybe seventeenth compared to twenty second, they've got a better CB one. Twenty ninth compared to thirty first, they've got a better CB two. Thirtieth compared to twenty first. I mean, if I guess if you want to compare CB threes, which is pretty irrelevant. Yeah, well, you could say that they're worse. I don't know if I would, but beyond that. They haven't invested what we've invested. Therefore, they're going to keep they're going to make it a priority to get corners, and they need to because their corners are garbage. We're probably not to because well, we've already tried that. It just it makes me very very upset and it makes me upset that we missed because it shouldn't even be this way. We shouldn't have drafted Kevin King. I'm just I'm just going to say it. We shouldn't have drafted him. I didn't like him coming out of college. A lot of guys didn't like him coming out of college. I didn't think he was very good. He's got this injury history. Even when he's not injured, let's not pretend that it's just injuries. When he's playing and he's not injured, he's not very good. And I'm probably going to end up eating these words if he ends up being a good football player, but I'll happily eat him. I'll eat him down with a nice baked potato 
It'll go down real smooth, I promise. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. And I know you can't always hit on everything, but why are they so bad at cornerback? And I, I can't even talk Gutekunst because, again, I don't know Josh Jackson yet. Right? He, he had to switch a lot of stuff. I think he was asked to do too many things that were too divergent from what he had to do in college. He didn't play very much in college. When he played, he was primarily playing zone. He comes over here and it's like, okay, now you're press man and we're going to put you in the slot all the time. That's just crazy talk. Jackson could end up being pretty solid, but he's going to need some time. Fine. But, man, am I tired of it. Jair, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Demarius Randall, Josh Jones at safety, Quentin Rollins. I'm just, I'm so tired of it. How many guys could we have taken at other positions? Edge rushers we could have taken. Wide receivers, offensive line, running backs, anything, anything other than constantly missing at these positions. And now in 2019, we have a lot of needs. And guess what? Cornerback is still a need! Ugh. And then the one thing we could have done is take Demarius Randall, who was a safety in college, and we could have just moved him to safety, where apparently it turns out he's a pretty good safety. We could have just moved him, and we would have at least a... a mediocre to kind of good safety but nope we're gonna ship him off and get a garbage quarterback i like brian gutekunst but kind of you know looking back retrospectively i'm getting a little frustrated hopefully some of these guys we drafted can step up right the wide receivers hopefully we get something out of them hopefully we get something out of out of josh jackson hopefully oren burks isn't the worst linebacker ever forever that he can step up and kind of play at least one snap at one point in his career, ever. Because I'm looking at a group right now that's basically Jair. And as it stands, Jair is a subpar CB1. I love Jair. I like Josh Jackson. We got to give him time. Everything could be fine. I'm just, I'm just venting a little bit, I guess. This has to be a better draft. It has to be a better draft than last year. And, and you know, get somebody that can play today... Because, again, I could eat my words on a lot of these guys if they can grow. But why do we have to draft guys that are projects, like Kevin King? Well, he's not going to be good year one, but year two, he'll, he'll start to step up, and then he just never is. Because apparently we don't have coaches that can develop. That was That's exactly the problem with Seattle, by the way. They draft developmental offensive linemen, but don't have coaches that can develop offensive linemen. So they just don't develop. And their careers are essentially ruined. Either hire guys that can develop, or draft guys that just have natural abilities that can come in and play today. But don't draft developmental talent and then don't develop them and then ruin guys' careers. You need to kind of understand what you have. And after years and years and years and years of seeing defensive backs not becoming anything, maybe it's kind of time for us to realize we can't develop them. Again, new coaching staff, we'll have to reassess that. But at some point, we got to realize who we are. I think we do a good job, or at least we used to. We have a different offensive line coach, but developing offensive line talent. Defensive line. Get a developmental defensive lineman, absolutely, because the guy that we've got developing defensive line talent is a stud. Anyways, I'm done with that rant. Looking at the uh, cornerback duos, looking at just one and two, Chicago Bears are ranked third, Detroit ranked 26th, Packers ranked 28th, so worse than the Lions, Minnesota Vikings ranked 12th. So the Packers have the worst cornerback duo in the in uh, the NFC North, one of the worst in the NFL. Out of that uh, base 10, we're looking at a 9.2. Cornerback trio goes up a little bit thanks to Kevin King being, you know, the uh, 21st best guy and whatnot. 
Chicago Bears have the second best trio. Kind of shocked that it's not the best. Who's the best? New England Patriots, obviously. Detroit Lions are 27th. So, hey, we, we notched them out by a spot. We're 26th, they're 27th. Vikings are 16th. So, again, really terrible out of a base 10, 9.35. Looking at safeties now, where things continue to get worse. Tremont Williams. I love Tremont Williams. I got nothing but love for Tremont Williams. Please understand that. But I don't like that a bunch of Packer fans said we should get rid of HaHa because he's trash and we should move ha- move Tremont to safety because he would be better anyways. He is not better than HaHa Clinton Dix. I know HaHa had problems. I know he got lazy at times. I know he wasn't the greatest tackler. Some of his angles were off. But as far as coverage goes... Dude had some talent. But anyways, moving on. Looking at safety number one. Take a wild guess where he ranked. He was 32nd. Dead last. Dead last. There was not a single number one safety on any of the 31 other teams that was worse than Tremont Williams. Not one. Every team. Let me say it a 15th way. Every team in the NFL has a starting safety better than Tremont Williams. Every single team. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the fact that everybody said HaHa needed to go. I think he needed to go based on his attitude and his effort, like a lot of other guys. But the idea that we're going to upgrade with Tremont Williams was always dumb. People who have been listening to this podcast knew that I said that we shouldn't expect him to be better. I'm not just Monday morning quarterbacking. I've been saying that since day one. Now, moving forward, Tremont Williams is not a safety. He should not be our safety. If we want to keep him fine, put him back at corner where we need a lot of help. He could go back to corner and potentially be our CB1, maybe our CB2. He would probably push Josh Jackson into CB3 and Kevin King can just hang out on the bench and not be hurt. We gotta do something about say it, It's bad. It's real, real bad. Out of 10, Tremont Williams is an 8.09. That is the lowest number of anyone. So even like by, by a, a standard of how far from average he is, he is the furthest from average of anyone. Way further than Kyler Fackrell at, at edge rusher, worse than Clay Matthews at, at edge two, worse than you know our corners, worse than everything. Worse than Morrison as a linebacker number two. That's how far away from the average uh, Tremont Williams is. And it's really not even close. Looks like 8.41 is the, the next lowest. This is 8.09. And again, a, a tiny deviation is, is kind of what you usually expect. Usually you're going to be either in the 11s or the 9s or, you know, the 10-point-somethings. This is almost 8.0. We're, we're, all, we're very close to being in the 7s. Real bad, man. Real bad. Chicago Bears, number one, obviously. Detroit Lions, number two. Minnesota Vikings, number four. All three of the NFC North teams have a top five safety. The Packers are sitting at 32nd. We have to address this. Now, again, we talked about safeties. We talked about free agency safeties. A lot of options. Lots and lots and lots of options. And again, not everybody's Earl Thomas, but not everybody needs to be Earl Thomas. Pretty much anybody that we talked about that is starting caliber can come in and be safety number one. And even if they're not top 10, which if we don't get Earl Thomas, LaMarcus Joyner, one of those guys, we're probably not going to get top 10, but that's okay. 
can we get top 20? Can, can we maybe get into the average territory? Can we get an average safety as opposed to literally the worst in the NFL? Because that would be kind of cool. As far as safety number two, again, second best safeties, gets a little bit easier. We're looking at our second round draft pick, Josh Jones, who was better than Kentrell Bryce, by the way. Very happy that he took a step, finally. After three years, he did take a tiny step, very mediocre step. But let's look at him. Compared to 32 other safety number twos, number two safeties, again, not as talented of a group, he was 29th. That's that's so garbage, man. That is so trash. It just it hurts my soul. When you look at the other guys he's going up against, I mean, we got undrafted free agents, we got fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. I mean, this this is number two safeties. We've got a second-round guy that had so much hype, and he's been in the NFL for a long time. There's no excuse. It's not a developmental issue. He's been in the, the league for three years. He's one of the worst. I'm not even talking about one of the worst safety number ones. I'm talking about number twos. Out of 10, he's an 8.86. The Bears, number two safety, is number one in the NFL. The Lions, number two safety, is ninth in the NFL. Vikings, fourth. So they have... All three of them are top 10. Two of them are top five. NFC North dominates with safeties. And we're trying to compete with them. And the Minnesota Vikings got some threats through the air. The Bears got some weapons through the air. The Lions have some weapons through the air. We have no ability. No corners. No safeties. No nothing. Still. Still. After years and years and years and years of of focusing on almost nothing but defensive back help. Years and years we get nothing we have jair jair alexander josh jackson kevin king uh josh jones skipping 2016 demarius randall quentin rollin 2014 haha clinton dicks i mean since 2014 only three first and second round picks have been something other than defensive back five years man in five years Our top two picks have been defensive back, the only exception being Devontae Adams, who is a complete stud, Kenny Clark, who is a complete stud, and Jason Spriggs, who not super great. But just look at how great the Packers have been at drafting everybody but defensive back. And what did we do? Quentin Rollins, Demarius Randall, HaHa Clinton Dix, Kevin King, Josh Jones, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson. What do we have to show for it? Jair is a mid-tier CB1. Haha's gone because he's got an attitude problem. Demarius is gone because we've refused to put him at safety. Quinton's gone because he was terrible. Uh, Josh Jones is terrible. Kevin King is terrible. Josh Jackson was pretty terrible in his first year. We'll see if he can grow. Excuse me for being pessimistic, but I've watched guys come in early round picks that we said, oh, I w- if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I was real big on Quinton. Oh, man, Quentin Rollins. Watch Quentin Rollins. He's going to be real good. He was so good in his rookie year. Second year, he got, you know, he was hurt. Plus, that was when, like, everybody left. By 2015, we had a ton of of cornerback talent. Quentin Rollins was, like, CB3, and he was dominant. And then in 2016, everybody left, and and everything fell apart. But now, like, just wait. He's going to be so good. That's what I said in 2017. Guess who wasn't good? Quentin Rollins. I'm tired of it, man. And fine, fine. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't get corner. Maybe we shouldn't. Let's just go to free agency because we're terrible at this. We don't know how to draft cornerbacks. We don't know how to draft safeties. Let's just go overpay for everybody else's cornerbacks and safeties. Not Bashad Breeland, by the way, who's not very good. 
let's just pay for everybody else's stuff and let's draft things that we're actually good at. We nailed Kenny Clark. Maybe stick stay away from uh, early round offensive linemen because we're terrible at that also. Jason Spriggs, Sherrod. Let's see if we can hit on an edge rusher. I mean, I don't have much to go on. I mean, Dayton was, was kind of the last one, I guess, and he was a defensive end. He wasn't even drafted to be an outside linebacker. Nick Perry, I guess, didn't really pan out. It's actually really hard to find early round guys that we hit on. We always hit on wide re- Let's just draft wide receivers early every year because we, we don't miss. We can't miss a wide receiver. Can't miss, won't miss. I don't know. I'm not going down that road. It's too depressing. But now we come to uh, our number three safety. Now, again, not a lot of people have it, but a lot of teams like to employ that. So let's look at it. And this is out of 30 teams because two teams, I literally couldn't find a third safety on their team. Now, just to be clear, the competition in this group is beyond trash. Not a lot of teams have talent at their third best safety. The Chicago Bears are number one, obviously. The Detroit Lions are seventh, well done. And the Vikings are fourth. Wow, top 10 again across the board. How did the old Packers do? We had to do better here, right? I mean, Kendrell Bryce started most of the year. I mean, Josh Jones was 29th as safety number two. But I mean, against third tier safeties? Come on, man. He's got to at least be average, right? 27th. Kentrell Bryce, who is our starting safety for most of the year, is not even a good third string safety. He's kind of a trash third string safety, 27th best. Looking at our safeties, safety one and two, just the duo of Williams and Jones, the Packers ranked 32nd in the NFL. Looking at our trio of Williams, Jones, and Bryce, the Packers ranked 32nd in the NFL. The Bears are first in both of those categories. The Lions are fifth in both of those categories. The Vikings are third in their duo and fourth in their trio. Packers are 32nd and 32nd. The worst safeties in the NFL by kind of a lot. So to quickly summarize our groups, we have the eighth best group of defensive tackles, the 24th best edge rush duo, the 20th best linebackers, 28th best cornerback duo, 26th best cornerback trio, dead last safety duo, dead last safety trio. That is straight trash, ladies and gentlemen. Straight trash. The only area where we, where, where the Packers are even close to average or above is defensive tackle. The next best group is linebackers, and we're 20th. That is so bad. To quickly, as a refresher, bring it back to offense now. Let's look at some of the groups. Um, wide receiver trio, 16th. This is with, you know, our, our equanimous and MVS group, which wasn't very good. Still, 16th. Running back duo, 10th. Tight end duo, 26th. Pretty terrible. Tackle duo, 3rd. Guard duo, 10th. Offensive line overall, 3rd. Our, the, the only thing that was actually bad here was our tight end duo, and that was 26, and that's primarily because our tight end number one was 29th. Jimmy Graham as a tight end two was 18th. That's pretty average. He's, he's a slightly below average tight end two, which is depressing when you realize how much we paid for Jimmy Graham and the fact that he's even a tight end two. He should easily be our tight end number one, but regardless, the offense overall is, I mean, th- I mean their average was 10th. Their average rank across quarterback, wide receiver, 1, 2, 3, fullback, running back, 1 and 2, tight ends, 1 and 2, tackle, guard, center, guard, tackle. The average grade was 10th. It's not bad. Average on defense was 20th. 
and the only saving grace is defensive tackle. And the only guy who is who is actually somewhat dominant or, or good is Kenny Clark. The only top tens in the entire group is Kenny Clark, who is eighth, and Mike Daniels, who is fifth, as compared to other third-string defensive tackles, which is depressing in and of itself because Mike Daniels shouldn't be with DT3s, man. This has been a very depressing exercise. Nothing about this defense is good. Kenny Clark, that's it. And even he was eighth. And that's awesome, but just running through the Chicago Bears, 4th, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 13th, 16th, 12th, 6th, 2nd, 1st, 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 5th overall, defensive tackles, 1st, uh, edge group, 5th, linebackers, 15th, uh, cornerbacks, 3rd, cornerback trio, 2nd, safeties, 1st, safety trio, 1st. So, I mean, if we could sit here and give ourselves a round of applause because Kenny Clark is 8th if we want to, and talk about dominant, talk about best in the NFL, talk about all this nonsense... But if we want to be real about this, it's not good, man. Not good. So, it kind of brings us back to what I've talked about before. There's three avenues that we can upgrade this team. The question is, how much can we actually expect? But let's look at the three avenues. Number one is growth from within. Talked about the benefit that we do have some young guys. Oren Burks, Jair, Josh Jackson. Maybe we could say Kevin King. Maybe we can say Josh Jones. Probably not. But... The ability to grow from within with a new coaching staff, with young guys, maybe. Even off the edge. With with a new coaching staff, even some of the old guys, maybe we can kind of revitalize this. right? Kyler Fackrell, can he take a step with the guys that we have? If, if we keep Nick Perry, can he kind of be revitalized back into being a, a mid-tier kind of second edge rusher? That's step number one. Number two, free agency. Areas where we feel there is no possibility of growth. For example, safety. There's really nobody... Again, maybe Josh Jones, but we're talking more about an in-the-box in guy. Kentrell Bryce, I have no hope for. Tremont Williams, I you know, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but whatever he's got left, I want to see it at corner. I don't want to see it at safety. There's no real hope there um, that that's going to be fixed. So free agency needs to be the number one target, primarily because we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. And... Um, you can't say, well, we're going to draft somebody. And even if you do, it's not a big deal because free agency is a short-term proposition. Maybe not. Maybe you get some big money for a 26-year-old safety off from a five-year contract or something. You know, I think LaMarcus Joyner is relatively young. There's some young guys that you could maybe offer long-term contracts to. But either way, that shouldn't dissuade you from drafting a safety because if you're just getting one, wouldn't hurt to have a second. Because, you know, three safety sets and we have maybe the worst, well, we do. We have the worst trio in the NFL. So if we want to be a modern defense that employs three safeties, we don't have one. So there's no reason we shouldn't be signing a safety, because even if we draft two, we have to hit on all three just to have three. And you got to assume somebody's going to miss. So there's free agency. On top of the development portion, you've got free agency, and then after that is the draft. And of course, that becomes circular because you start to develop the guys that you have, whatever the ability to develop and bring into the fold the guys that you draft. So that's kind of a twofold get the right guys, and then be able to develop the guys that you have rather than ruining them, not utilizing them properly, Demarius Randall, or, you know, Mike McCarthy in general. You know, the, the, the things he did when we went out in free agency and got Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, and Mercedes Lewis is sitting on the bench while Jimmy Graham's out there blocking. I, You know, what in the world is happening? That kind of nonsense doesn't help anything. But again, it, it comes back to the question of, realistically, 
how good can this defense be? I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out the idea that the Packers are going to have a top five defense. That's silly. Top 10 is pretty unlikely. But if, if things go right, what would be the best case scenario for this defense? I don't see it being very possible we get any more than one edge rusher, and the odds of him being a top 10 edge rusher are pretty close to zero. You look at uh, the, the Denver Broncos got the highest, at the, the best edge rusher last year in, in Chubb. Pretty dominant guy. Compared to other edge rush number twos, so tier two edge rushers, he was 15th. Now, nobody over there is complaining because he's a a double-digit sack guy in his first year, which is awesome. But overall, as a player, he graded out as 15th compared to number twos. So again, you know, temper our expectations a bit. If we end up getting a Brian Burns or, you know, heaven help us, a Montez Sweat, who I'm not a big fan of, the odds that they're going to come in and just all awesome, we got our guy, he's going to be a stud. I, yeah, I don't know. Not a lot of options in free agency. Again, best case scenario, I don't know what it is. Daniels comes back. We get one edge rusher that's a little bit better. Fackrell becomes number two. I don't know, maybe we draft a linebacker. Otherwise, Martinez just kind of stays mediocre, and hopefully we have a secondary linebacker that can kind of step up. Oren Burks, I don't know. At corner, Jair takes a step. Josh Jackson takes a step. Maybe we can get somebody else in free agency. Maybe we can draft somebody kind of in the mid-round that can step in and be a a CB3. Safety, best-case scenario, we get free agency and hit in the draft. And then, yeah, we're, we're, again, we're talking absolute best-case scenario. It's possible top 10, but it's, it's, ugh. It's it's not a good situation, man. It's just bad across the board. And if it was so easy to go from one of the worst to one of the best, you know, if the Packers can crack top 10, just about anybody can crack top 10. So why would we bet on them against anybody else? Just saying. I mean, why can't the Raiders do it? They've got more picks than we do. They've got more money than we do. The Raiders are 23rd overall. They're not that much worse than us. They've already got better safeties. I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. I'm really not trying to be pessimistic. It just, it doesn't look, and that's, that's the problem. When your fandom kind of comes crashing into reality, it hurts a little bit. (laughs) These are just the numbers. That's just all there is to it. I I did it blind. I didn't go into this, you know, I just went like a robot and went through and then I kind of came back and like, all right, what are the results? And I look at it and it's like, oh no, but that's it. That's kind of what it is. Like I said, I will be throwing this at some point on Patreon. So anybody in there for $5 a month or more can have access to this, and it will show all the teams and how they rank. If you want to know how the Jets' edge rushers rank, well, they're 28th and 31st. There you go. It'll, it, I mean, it's a good resource as far as I'm going to be using this a lot for mock drafts. If you want to use it for that, that would be a pretty good option. Anyways, I don't. I feel like I don't want to let this go, but I'm going to have to let it go. Um, I suppose you folks enjoy your Wednesday talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one and bye-bye.